You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Today, we're kicking off a new series, and I'm really excited to have my wonderful wife up here. And uh, uh, about almost eight years ago, uh, eight years ago in, in 10 August, days, yeah, in August July 1st, 31st, July we got 31st. elected, but your first day here was August So 1st. July 31st, Heidi and I came, and we were young and uh, didn't really know what we were doing. We had just gotten married in April, and we came and we were elected as the pastors at Calvary July 31st. It's hard to believe it's been almost eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, time flies. And uh, we have a picture of us. If you can see how young we were. Look how young we were. <laughs> Look at him, right? Like, no facial hair. Heidi looks the same. Aww. You haven't really changed. No. Uh, this, yeah, so this is what, how we looked when we were, what, eight years ago. And this is how we hope to look when we retire here from here someday. It's amazing. Heidi hasn't aged a bit. No, good She's genes, still I guess. Beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah, thank it's you. It's amazing. <laughs> and and over the next few weeks, um, we want to we're going to be talking about uh, as we go through this series called "Happily Ever After: Marriage Relationships." Uh, you know, one of the great battles that uh, that that exists in our world is the battles a battle against marriages. The, the commitment that a husband and wife make to one another. Uh, has never been more difficult, never been under more attack than it is today. Divorce has become so commonplace that we now have more couples that get divorced than those that don't. It's actually odd that a marriage makes it beyond 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. Like that's the anomaly now. Uh, And as we find ourselves in this place, I think it's important to not just accept things as they are and just kind of go with the flow of culture, but to really step back and ask ourselves why. Like, why are we at this place? What can we do to shift the culture? And if not for the entire culture, at least in our own lives, what can we do differently? And, and over the next three weeks, we're going to be diving into this topic of marriage and relationships. And you might think, uh, I'm not married. I'm not even in a dating relationship. Like, what does this have to do with me? And I've been there. I totally understand what you're saying. But really what we're going to discover from Scripture uh, over these next few weeks, doesn't just apply to those that are married, but the principles and concepts we're looking at really are applicable for all of us. And, and maybe you've been in a place where your interaction with someone uh, just doesn't seem to be clicking. Maybe it's at work or, or in marriage or, or in a relationship or family, whatever it might be. It doesn't seem like they're clicking. Sometimes we, we just write that off as like we're just not compatible, like things just aren't working, like our personalities clash, it's just not going to work. Right, and I want to, I kind of was thinking from like last night to today, and I know this is, it's called Happily Ever After, and it's about marriage, but I want to preface, and what you said before is that this doesn't always have to apply to a marriage, like you said before, like this is, like the stuff that we're talking about even today is really great with any relationship, really, you know, a boss, co-worker, you know, friend, friend, you know, a mother, and a daughter relationship, so, but anyway, so Nick is an amazing, like, messenger of God's word, isn't he? Right? I, on the other hand, well, you are. They know it. He gets all like right in the cheeks. Um, that was but, sunburn yeah. yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, sunburn. Okay. Um, I, however, teach third grade, and I have to tell you, you all intimidate me. Um, I'm used to talking to eight-year-olds and acting super goofy and funny, and being up here in front of adults, I might be shaking just a little bit, but, you know, palms all sweaty. But me, on the other hand, I think I'm a really good storyteller, so that was my task 
with this message. And Nick asked me to talk about the first time that we met. And to be honest, this is going to sound really funny, but I actually don't remember when we first met. I really don't. This guy is very... I was very impressionable. Very much so. (laughs) But obviously, he was persistent enough, right? So um, where we had been prior to coming here, uh, Nick was on staff at a church called Allison Park Church, which is obviously in Allison Park, which is in the north of, uh, you know, north of Pittsburgh. And I was just a regular, you know, congregational member. And I was helping out here and there, you know, doing different things. And there was a young adults ministry. And then, of course, like, you know, you're young adult. That's kind of just what you did. And we all went there. And he would tell me later on after we have, you know, then became an item, but he would tell me, oh, we had conversations. Like, don't you remember me talking to you? And I was like, I, no, I don't. He's like, Heidi, it was more than one time. Like, and I was like, no, mm-mm. I, I, I mean, I really had no, I, I, I'm still, I mean, I'm honest to you to this day. I still do not have any memory of those, you know? And so, I mean, at the time of my life, it was just, I just wasn't looking for a relationship. It was just like, you know, Potentially, you just weren't compatible with me. I just didn't want anything to do with you. Um, <laughs> well, you know. Luckily, my heart changed because that's what I started to do. I started praying to God. All right, this guy is just not leaving me alone, you know? And I was like, okay, like, if I'm, if I'm missing something here, God, please, like, change the blinders from my eyes. Like, I'm, I'm, I, you know, he's obviously seeing something in me that I'm not seeing in him, you know, and, and please start changing my heart if that's the case. And if not, close that door. Just close it. And sure enough, we are here today. So obviously. Here we are. Yes. And we it, we, it. it was, we started, what, dating in like May and engaged in like November and yeah. married by the next April. April so and we came here in July. Yeah. So obviously that, that, but where I thought we weren't compatible, you know, I started to fall for you. Amazing. I know, right? Amazing. It was love at first sight. It was incredible. <laughs> you know, beyond even a dating relationship, you know, when we talk about relationships, it may be, maybe it's in a working, a work relationship or someone that you have to work with that you generally accept the fact that your personalities clash. In those situations, like at work, you still have to make it work, right? I mean, you, you make that relationship work. When it comes to a marriage relationship, though, compatibility, that, that word compatibility becomes the ultimate trump card. Like, if that's not there, then forget it. I do a lot of premarital counseling, um, have helped, you know, maybe close to 190 different couples get married and walk through that process with them. And, and when I meet with them, we do this thing called prepare and rich. It's this, like a, this, this form they fill out, the questions. It's like an assessment. And, and most couples will walk in and I'll go through the part with them. The, the uh, bride-to-be is always like, well, are we compatible? Like, what did it say? And I always preface and say, um, this has nothing to do with compatibility. For me, I don't think uh, compatibility is that big of a deal. See, we hear people throw this around all the time. We're just not compatible, or our personalities don't mesh. We don't see things the same way. We just didn't hit it off like it's not going to work. And before I say what I'm about to say, I want to preface uh, this uh, real quick. There are circumstances where divorce is necessary. Uh, there, there's abuse, consistent unfaithfulness, whatever it might be. And in those cir- circumstances, divorce is necessary and it's needed. I'm not talking about those situations. Uh, I, I believe uh, there's that, that's, that's important. It's important for us to recognize that. But I'm not talking about the circumstances. When it comes to the topic of compatibility, though, I think it's a stretch. I think we put more weight on this idea of compatibility than we should. In a working relationship, we make things work even when our personalities clash, don't we? Why? Because your paycheck depends upon it. Like if you don't make it work, 
you won't get paid. If you don't get paid, you don't put food on the table, things don't happen. And we make it work. But, but in marriage, we started to believe the lie that, that, that if it's too difficult, we can't make it work. And, and our threshold for, 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 for working at something or, or something being too difficult has dropped significantly. And we're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Oh, this, isn't, this, this puts me out of my comfort zone. We must not be compatible. And when things aren't going well, we immediately land on, we're just not a good fit. And that, that's where too many couples stop there. And here's the reality, and this is the simple thought that we want to share with you today. That relationships that last are not based on compatibility, but choice. Relationships that last, in, in, whether it be a marriage relationship or, or any other relationship, relationships that last are, based on, are, are not based on compatibility, but choice. It's not about two people being compatible, because here's the reality. Men and women are drastically different. You view the world differently. You process the world differently. You know, uh, Heidi, Heidi will bring things up that I don't even remember. And she's like, remember we talked about that? And I'm like, what do you mean we talked about that? Like five years ago, we talked about that. I'm like, I don't know. That's why I'm a good storyteller, I'm right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. What did we, I don't even know what we talked about five minutes ago. What do you I mean five years ago? I mean, I have to go back. We're, we're wired so differently. And, and it's not about compatibility. You know, opposites attract sometimes. Sometimes people are similar. Attract. It has nothing to do with it. It's about choice. Wait, think about how many of you here are married. Let's say like over a year. Over a year. And Jason and Laura, you better raise your say, hands. Can, well, one year. I mean, past that now. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, I mean, think back to that first year of marriage, right? That was difficult. I mean, that was a very difficult first year because you took two people who, I mean, at least for Nick and I, I mean, we got married a little bit later in life. We weren't in our early 20s or anything. You know, we were in our 30s and we got married and he had already established, you know, his way of doing things and I established my way of doing things. Yet, yet on top of that, you bring up your upbringing of the way things, you know, that you know, how you were brought up and the things that you did at home. And I just remember that first year of marriage was so challenging so challenging. I mean, I, I said, I always remember this one time. It was like after we got back from our honeymoon, you know, and like normal life now sets in and you're like, okay, like I've got to get up now and go to work and there's laundry now to be done and dishes and I've got to put food on the table, you know, and whether that be him or myself. And I remember the first morning having to get up and go to work and he got up the same time that I did. And like, he was in the bathroom before me. And I was like, whoa, you know, like, what's happening here? Like, I, you know, this is my routine. And now all of a sudden you're, you, wait, wait, no, no, no. I get in the bathroom first. This is my, you know, so anyway, he did his stuff. And then I was like, okay, I'll just figure out something else. And I was like ironing clothes or whatever. And I go in after him. And I, I know some of you have heard this, but I remember going into the bathroom and just looking and there was like water everywhere. I mean, on the mirror, on the floor, all over the sink. And I was like, what just happened here? Like, that, you know, that, I mean. That wasn't. I was sitting in the living room, and she goes, Nick, it looks like a water bomb went off in here. What happened? I mean, I have to plug in a straightener. I've got to do stuff, you know, and, like, there's just water everywhere. And it was just that that first year, even, like, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I mean, just those, like, little things that you have to, you know, like, learn to work through. And that first year was very difficult. And after that first year, or even during that first year, how easy would it have been for you to say, whoa, this is not working. This is not going to work. Like, we just aren't fitting right now. Like, this is not working. And it would, be, would have been so easy to say that, wouldn't it have been? Mm -hmm. You know, yet 
we didn't, you know, and, and, and some of you who are still married, like you didn't either. You pushed past through that and you said, you know what? No, this is going to be a choice. Like I'm going to choose to love you despite the water everywhere. I'm going to choose to love you still with the dishes in the sink, you know, I'm still to love you when I pull out the trash can and say like, take this out and sits there. I love you dearly. I really do. You know, but like, like those things, like you push past those, right? It's like, you know, you just choose to love that person. And this is what's important that we want to share with you. The choices you're making today will shape the future. They shape your future. You get to choose it. If you want to love someone, you will. If you don't want to love someone, you won't. It's a choice, not a feeling, not a compatibility thing. It literally is a choice that you make. If you want your marriage to last, you both have to make that choice. And if you're willing to make that choice, I don't care how bad it looks or how bad it might be, right? If you're willing to make that choice, both of you, you can make it work. I've watched it happen. If you want your relationship with a family member to work, even when it's difficult, it's a choice. If, if you want to keep your job and make that frustrating relationship with someone on your team manageable, it's a choice. And it's a choice that you have to make, that you get to make. We are not robots. We are not puppets. We are not slaves to the ebb and flow of our culture. Every single one of us have a choice to shape the future we want and God desires for us. It is your choice. The ball is, in a sense, in your court. You get to make that choice. And you know, you said before too, like, you know, this isn't only about marriages. Remember, this is about other relationships as well. And I know, um, you know, Nick and I have three children, ages from five, two, and six months. And um, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you have children? Okay, keep those hands up. If you parent a strong-willed child, and Nick, you better put your hand up. Two hands for us. We've got not two kids. I mean, our daughter, she's the middle. She is stubborn, but she ultimately, she will give in. You know, like, okay, mommy, with that little cute voice, and then she'll do whatever you ask her to do. But our oldest son, Zach, he's five and a half. He is, you know, the definition of strong will. He's not bad. He's just like stubborn times 10, you know, and like Nick and I are both stubborn and we're like, oh gosh, what if we get a child that's as stubborn as us? Well, we got one like tenfold, you know, like I said, it's not that he's bad, but you know, there are times when Zach and I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm a school teacher. I'm off in the summer. I get them all day, right? And we try to do things, fun stuff, you know, to keep them occupied, especially for Zach. I've got to get him out of the house, you know? Um, but there are times with Zach that it's just, gosh, it's so hard sometimes to like, I'm not going to say not to love him, but sometimes it's so hard because like Nick comes home. I'm like, I can't deal with him anymore. He's yours. Like, I can't, I cannot deal th- do this anymore. And I think it's because like my father-in-law and Nick have said like the two of us have very similar personalities or we like just butt heads all the time, you know? And I like just recently I've gotten this, well, mommy, I'm rolling my eyes at you, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Oh, child, you know, like, <laughs> whoa, you know, like where'd that come from? And it's like, that's you, Heidi. That was you, you know, with your mother how many years ago. So it's like, you know, like at times we're so not compatible, but it's not that I'm not going to stop loving my son, right? I love him dearly. You know, it's, it's my choice to love him and just show him that love through those difficult times, through those times when I'm like, oh, you know, like go to your dad, just, get, just go, you know, but I still choose to love him. And we all do the same, right? You know, like when, you, when someone means so much to you and cares, you care so deeply about them, you're not just going to throw in the towel on them. You, you choose ha- and to In those them. moments, your choice supersedes your circumstances. Right. And in marriage, we've taken that conversation off the table too often. We say, I'm going to make the choice that's best for me. 
I'm going to make the choice that's best for my interest in this moment. Almost like we're a free agent in sports or something. And that's not where marriage is supposed to be. It's making a choice that supersedes your circumstances. I know my circumstances are bad right now. I know I'm not being treated well or things aren't going well. But I need to make a choice and to help shape that future through my choice. And, and you know, whatever relationship it is, whether it's a marriage or, or, or whether it's a family member or a coworker or whatever, whatever it is, we all have a choice. The question is, what is that choice? Like, what's the choice we need to make? And the Apostle Paul answers that question in a really valuable discussion he has in his letter to the Ephesian church. And uh, in, in this letter, he's talking about the interaction between a husband and wife. And uh, what he talks about, though, is bigger than just husbands and wives. Uh, when he's talking about marriage, though, if our marriages could start to be built on, on this simple yet sometimes difficult principle that he shares about, I think we'd see a lot more healthy, vibrant marriages in our world. Here's, here's what he shared. It's in, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. To submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, I've read that passage a number of times at weddings. Maybe you've heard different pieces of that at different places. Uh, this passage is one of those pa- parts of Scripture that is so often taken out of context and misunderstood. The verse that's usually misquoted is, wives, submit to your husbands. People take that and they say, well, wives are to be like slaves to their husband. Whatever they do goes, and that's just how it works. The problem is they miss the second half of that passage where it says that husbands are to be like Christ loving the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave his life. He like, gave everything for the church. It, it's not about uh, a slavery thing. So this isn't what Paul's talking about. When you, when you look at these verses in their context, Paul is getting at this very important behavior and approach to relationships. It's something called mutual submission. Now, the word submission has like a really negative connotation. We, think, we immediately think slave master. That's what you do, submission. Now, this isn't the biblical view or understanding of submission, though. Biblical submission can be summed up in this way. When, when you are working to help the other person become all that God intended them to be. That's biblical submission. Not like slave master, but I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do whatever I can to help that person, the other person, become the best God intended them to be. The moment marriages or any relationship, for that matter, begins to erode and fall apart is the moment where one person or both start to work to make themselves the best they can be at the cost of the other. When the focus becomes on me. The moment the focus becomes on me, I've, I've walked away from this idea of mutual submission. I've walked away from this idea of me loving my spouse, me loving the other person, me giving of myself to help the other person become all God intended them to be. That's when things start falling apart. It's this mutual submission, this approach of serving the other that builds a healthy foundation for a marriage. It's because relationships that last are not based on compatibility, but choice. It's the choice to serve, to submit. And now, this fleshes itself out in a lot of different ways. Uh, You begin to put the other person's needs ahead of your own. You begin to sacrifice to see the other person become what God wants them to be. 
my wife Heidi, she's amazing at this. She will be up half the night with our kids because our kids like go on this cycle where, you know, our, our daughter will wake up in the middle of the night and then when she's ready to go back to bed, she like tags our son Luke and lets him go to, you know, she'll go to bed and then he's up and then it's they, the truth. It's, they it's rotate the truth. their way around. Um, the only time I'm usually awake at this point. So how do you even know this? I, I'm not usually awake. I'm usually sleeping through this all. The only way I know this is if they both, if two of them wake up at the same time. But normally I'm like. Because then Heidi's outnumbered and then I have to get up and, right, and I'm like, you know, help, I'm like, put them up. to sleep. But she'll be up like this with our kids, wake up at 545 to go to school, to, to work, and somehow still manage to make a lunch for me that day. Like, she's incredible at this. It's not because I'm her master. It's because she chooses, even when it's easier not to, to love me, to serve me. I'm not nearly as good at it as she is, but how she serves me challenges me to want to serve her better. You know, when we first came here, like I said, eight years ago, um, I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a really a church home at all. Um, you know, my, my mom and my dad, that really it was a clash between the two of them as to like how to bring up my brother and myself in a church. And I didn't, wasn't a pastor's kid, clearly, you know. And so when I got married to Nick and I, you know, we came here, like Nick said, we got married and shortly after that, we were here a few months later. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what my role was. I didn't grow up, you know, like I said, in the church. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I really struggled. And some people thought, oh, maybe she'll take over the kids' ministry because she works with children. And that, no, I do that all day. I didn't want to do that on, like, my weekends. And, you know, and, and I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm a woman, so maybe I'll just lead a woman's life group. And that worked for a little bit, but still was, like, really wasn't my thing. And, and I just kept praying to God about it. Like, God, like, where do you want me? Like, where am I supposed to be in this? You know, and I, it was a struggle for a long time. And I remember on one of my morning walks I would take and I would just pray. And God basically said, like, you know, like, he's right in front of you. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is who you're supposed to serve right now. So I started getting up, like, you know, on Sunday mornings, you know, Nick is up, like, super early, um, getting here, you know, praying, you know, before church. But anyway, he gets up super early. So remember, this is, like, my weekend off, right? So I'm still getting up super early to serve him. He would get up, and as soon as I would hear him get up and go into the shower, I would hop out of bed, and I would go down, well, we... Or, no, I say downstairs because our new house, but we lived before on a ranch, so split level. split level. So I would just go right down to the kitchen and I would start making him breakfast, you know, like not just like cereal in a bowl, right? It was like I'd make him waffles, you know, bacon and eggs and toast, or you know, have co- or not coffee tea. I'm a coffee drinker. Tea set out for him, you know, with the the raw sugar that he likes, and you know, and I would have you know all this stuff for him, and he would just hop from the shower, you know, to to eating breakfast, and then I would take his clothes downstairs and I would iron and press them and make sure they looked, they looked really nice that day. And I made sure like, you know, if I had anything pressing to talk to him about, I would hold off on it. I wouldn't like talk to, you know, I wouldn't like, my, my job was to serve him, right? So I was like, anything I can do for you to help your day go easier is what I'm here for. Because some of you who've been with us since 2011, since we've been here, know that there are like a few people doing a lot of stuff, right? Now we're at a place where we're, you know, blessed and we have a lot of people, a lot of hands now behind the scenes, you know, helping to make this, you know, Sunday service and Saturday, you know, services run smoothly. But Nick was like, you know, and a few people were like it, you know. So my job was to serve him, to help him. And that's really what I felt for the number of years that my calling was, it was just to be his servant. Not because I had to be a servant, not because he told me out of like, you know, you must submit to me. It was because I wanted to. Like Nick said before, it was that I was helping him to be the best person that he could be. And that was my job. And I, I don't do that as much anymore. I'm we have sorry. kids now. Kids yeah. take... 
But I still Kids try. Like you said, that. I get yeah. up in the morning, I make him lunch, you know, I get up an extra early yeah. to make lunches and make sure he has that, you know, and, and I still make sure in the morning on Sundays that his raw sugar is there and I have a muffin, a pre-packaged Somewhere. Somewhere. muffin all good. that he could take <laughs> with him. <laughs> But I still try. Yeah. <laughs> Just a different level. And th- this is what's important. If you want uh, any relationship, your marriage, a relationship with a coworker, family member, if you want those things to, to work, it needs to be founded on submission. Not slavery, but serving one another. And, and here's the simple, simple idea on this when it comes to marriage. The couples that serve each other will love each other. You might say, I've heard this happen. I've heard so many couples say this. Though one point someone will come to the other and they'll say, I don't love you anymore. Or I'm, I'm just not in love with you anymore. And that, that, those words come out of their mouth and the other person's devastated. Like what happened? How did this, how, how did this happen? Like how did we get to this point? And I, I've sat with couples and they're devastated about one of them saying that to the other and now we have to work our way through that. And, 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 and what we do is we believe this lie that the love we have for one another is based on an emotion. In other words, it's based on my circumstances. When I feel it, then it's there. When I don't feel it, then it's gone. Well, that's not a love. If your marriage is based on that emotion, you're going to be on this roller coaster ride. And you can't stay on a roller coaster ride too long before you throw up, right? Um, it's not going to work. You, you can't do that. It doesn't work like that. The love that we're talking about isn't a love of emotion or feeling. It's a love of choice. And we're going to talk more about that next weekend. But... Um, this is the idea. The couples that serve each other will, will love each other. And if you're willing to serve and serve, you will love that person. Like you said, like, make, like looking at it to the fact that, you know, my job in that submission to Nick is to help him to be the best person possible, that God has intended him to be, and vice versa. That's, that's my job for, for Heidi. If your marriage isn't going well, Look for ways you can serve your spouse. Ways you can help them become the best God wants them to be. Look for ways. You might get nothing else in return. You might do that and they won't do it for you. That's okay. You love them. Why? Because you're married to them. You made a commitment. You made a choice to, to, to be married to them and you will serve them. If, if you're struggling with a relationship with someone in your family, look for how you can submit to them, how you can serve them. Or, or if you can't seem to get along with your boss, look for ways you can serve him or her. Look for opportunities to do that. When the foundation is biblical submission or service, you will see any relationship, regardless of its context, flourish. When, when you find yourself in that, in that uh, environment. And as the worship team comes, this is, this is what Jesus modeled for us uh, with his disciples. If you don't know the story of, of Jesus and his disciples, just before he would be arrested and sentenced to die on the cross, one of the last things he would do was wash his disciples' feet. Now, this is what's crazy. Jesus was their rabbi, their teacher, their leader. Whatever title you want to give him, he was it. He's the son of God. Like, he was the big dog. He was everything. And yet, still, he took this position and posture of a servant and washed his feet, washed their feet. Now, after he was finished, he made this profound statement to them. It's recorded in John chapter 13. And here's what happened. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to this place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Here's what Jesus is asking in reality. He's saying, do you know why I washed your feet? Like, Jesus wasn't like this huge clean freak. Like, 
listen, here's the deal. Clean your feet or get out of the house. I don't want any dirty, nasty feet around here. Jesus, it wasn't about Jesus being a clean freak. Like he was obsessive compulsive about clean feet. That wasn't the deal. What he's trying to get at is, do you know why I washed your feet? It wasn't just to wash your feet. It wasn't just because you had dirty feet. Do you know why? And then he shares why. And this is what's so profound. He said, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so. For that is what I am. I'm, I'm your teacher. I'm your Lord. Now, what I, now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And here's his big thought. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What's he trying to get at? Just as Jesus said in this final verse, if you will do these things, if you will submit to one another, if you will serve one another, we will find our marriages blessed. We will find our relationships blessed. If we're willing to to practice this idea, this sacrificial service, submission to one another, we will find them blessed. What does that, that sounds like a really spiritual religious thing. It means that we get to experience the resources of God, the blessings, the goodness of God at work in our relationships, even when we don't deserve it. When we're willing to put the other first. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And for some of you, your marriage maybe might not be going in the right direction. And you're like, I'm not sure what to do right now. Serve one another. Look for those ways to care for each other, to love each other, to submit to the other person, to help them become the best God intends them to be. That's, that's the first step. That, if you put that at the foundation and work from there, you're, you're starting on a good foot. A, a good first step. Love one another. Serve one another. Submit to one another. Now, now for some of you, you know, we're talking about marriage relationship, our relationship with, with one another. There's a bigger relationship that maybe for some of us that we need to address, that we need to, to look at. And it's a relationship that we have with God. See, what we're talking about wasn't something God just tells us you should do. It was something he actually did himself. That, that even when we weren't being nice to God, so to speak, the Bible says when we were, Paul writes this in Colossians, that while we were enemies to God, like we were doing the polar opposite of what God wants. Maybe you're in that place. Maybe you've been in that place. Like you're doing everything that you're doing and saying and everything that your life embodies is the opposite of what God wants or, or not in line with what God wants. And and, and your assumption is God won't love me. He won't care for me because I'm doing the opposite. Because that's what we do for one another, right? I'll love you when, you, when, it, when it's best for my best interest. That's our human nature. But God, even when we were enemies to him, even when we were doing things in the opposite direction, he looked for a way to submit to us, to serve us, to love us. What did he do? He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus practiced this where he gave his very life so that you could become all that God intended you to be. If he hadn't done that, you couldn't become all that God intended you to be. And today, maybe the first step that you need to take before we were talking about our submission, our serving one another horizontally with our relationships, the first step you need to take is to submit to God and say, God, I want to accept that love that sacrifice that you gave to me, that you gave your life, Jesus, for me. And I want to submit to you and say, I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you. I want to live my life according to your purpose, your plan that you have for me. Because when you're willing to do that, 
you're able to become all that God intended you to be. And in a minute, I want to give you an opportunity to say, you know what, today I want to take that step. Today I want to, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to live according to his purpose. I want to receive that gift of free life, of, of new life, of, of, of a, a new purpose, forgiveness of my past. I want to accept that into my life. You can bow your heads with me today. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've given us. Jesus, today we ask that you would speak into our lives and our, our realities. God, before we can heal the relationships with those around us, we first have to heal the relationship we have with you and to make that right. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us, to serve us in a way of giving your life so that we can become all that you intend us to be. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here and say, Nick, I've never taken that step to to, to respond to God's love through Jesus. I've never taken that step to accept his forgiveness, to, to commit to live to his purpose. I want to give you an opportunity on the count of three. I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven to say, today, I want to begin that journey. Today, I want to follow Jesus. Today, I want to accept his forgiveness. Today, I want to live according to his purpose. Regardless of what your past has looked like or even what your present looks like, that today's going to be a new day. I'm stepping into a new destiny. Today, something new is happening. That's you on the count of three. One, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven this morning? Amen. I'm ask, you can put your hands down. I'm asking everyone just to pray this prayer with me. Whether you, you, you raised your hand for the first time or not, or whether you raised your hand at all, I'm going to ask you all to pray this prayer with me. What we're going to pray isn't some magic formula. It's just a conversation with God that I want to lead you in. My hope is that this is the first of many, many conversations you have with God. You share what's on your heart with him. That's all prayer is. Would you, would you pray this prayer with me together, everyone together? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me even when I didn't deserve it. Even when you didn't have to, but you chose to. Today I accept your forgiveness of my past. I commit to live for your purposes in my future. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? If you prayed that prayer, I mean, I want to encourage you, don't stop. Keep continuing to pursue what God has for you. Before we go today, I want to pray for you that in your marriages and your relationships with one another at work, in your family, at school, wherever it might be, that you would experience the blessings of God. Not, not that you experience just, you know, good, warm feelings, but that as you submit, as you serve one another, you get to experience what God said, what Jesus said. When you do these things, you will be blessed, that you get to experience the blessings of God in your home, in your marriage. It might not happen overnight, but as you serve, as you submit, as you help the other person become the best God intends them to be, you get to see what God could do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for the blessings you've given us already in giving some of us a spouse or, or, or people in our lives that we are there that we can serve and submit to and love. God, I pray that you would allow us to be challenged, stretched, that we don't just settle, but God, that we are willing to choose to make the right choices. Lord, for those of us who are married, that, that we could serve one another and, and continue to grow in our love for one another. God, be with us. Protect us. Guard our marriages, I pray. Guard them, Lord. Protect them. Let them be an example and a model to those around us of what godly love can do and even godly redemption can do in difficult
difficult moments. Thank you, God, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us next weekend. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.